another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Thank you guys so much for coming on Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. This is a second interview that I'm having with Stephen Saunders and Daniel Falconer of Weta Workshop. And we are here to talk about another new figure, maybe another, uh, uh, maybe the, the mystic as well, but definitely the newest figure that you guys have unveiled, which is Deet. And uh, I'm, I think it's absolutely beautiful. I've loved all of them. I saw the ones at Comic-Con last year and I thought those were great, but Deet by far is the most amazing so I, yeah. I'm curious how that process came about. Obviously, it's probably very similar to the other pieces that you're working on in terms of getting photos and scans and all of those things and having people work on that. But Deet seemed a little bit tr- more tricky, whereas you had Skexo and he's sort of firmly planted. He's got, you know, he's uh-huh. got the base, whereas Deet is, you know, she's one foot on a ledge. And I was thinking, man, that must have been interesting to design. But before we get into that, how did she come about? Well, thank you, first off, for having us back. It's lovely to come back. So obviously we didn't stink up the place too badly the first time around. (laughs) It's so nice to come back and with you again. Um, I think the first time we talked, um, Stephen and I had not yet seen the show. It was was just about to air, so we hadn't seen anything yet. So now we have the benefit of actually having watched the whole season. And, uh, you know, and that gives us tremendous... Um, uh, and it's much easier to plan a line of collectibles when you've actually seen the media that you're working from. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we're actually trying to find scenes or moments in the series as we've done with Lord of the Rings for yeah. years, uh, which we didn't have the benefit of doing before seeing the show. We could sort of speculate on it to some yeah. extent. We had, we had um, some story outlines, although it's interesting, those are actually quite different to what we ended up with on screen. Increasingly so, as you went through the season, the first episodes are fairly similar, but they became, you can see how, how, how the show um, developed. Um, so that was interesting. But, you know, um, Netflix and uh, the Jim Henson Company were very, you know, generous in allowing us those to, to get a sense of the show when we were planning, which was, was great. Um, that doesn't always happen. Um, so that was, we were very, very grateful to them for that, that spirit of openness. Uh, but Deep was so when we originally came up with the idea for, for these collectibles, um, the thought was um, there was a lovely size relationship between all the different characters that actually kind of worked really well for creating statues at different price ranges that kind of also could all still be in scale together and actually work together on the shelf, but they wouldn't all necessarily be $500 pieces. And so the lovely thing with the Gelflings is they're a little bit, they can be a little bit more affordable. Um, Obviously they are still a high-end collectible and they still do have come with quite a price tag because they are, even though they're not limited edition, uh, we, we often have have to make them in a limited number. So, so at some point we are still having to, we're not able to defray the cost over thousands of units or anything like that. We're still talking about hundreds of hundreds of pieces. So um, that means that they they hit a certain price point. But um, the original plan was that we wanted to have all three of the main hero, Gelfling and Hup, um, out, 
you know, very early on, right at the beginning of the show. Um, and because Weta Workshop is a um, multidisciplinary creative entity and we've got stuff going all the time and there's there's often a little bit of competitive, uh, um, a little bit of battling between departments for, for resource. <laughs> we've got some wonderfully talented sculptors, but obviously talented sculptors are in demand. And so, so DEET was one that we were uh, going to get um, uh, the lovely Jane Wenley uh, to sculpt. Um, but she was needed on another project and so suddenly deep kind of like slipped and kept getting bumped down the uh the production line and kept getting further out and i'm like oh my god no deet's like the best character you could tell mm -hmm. that even from the photographs before we'd even seen the show we're like we gotta get deet out as quickly as possible um and so fortunately stephen um he he um was working on um uh, uh rian and brea and fortunately finished those as quickly as he could and was able to put his hand up and say i'll take i'll take on deep to sculpt which was awesome mm -hmm. but is while that was a little disappointing to me and that we didn't have Deet out for day one, like, you know, not she, what well, we weren't able to show her day one of the show coming out. Um, the benefit was um, it meant that we could change our concept a little as we went along because the original concept for her was going to be, she was standing on the ground. She had her hand out. She was, you know, reaching towards something like she was going to be putting her hand maybe on Cup's shoulder, or perhaps you could pose some other creature next to her, whatever. We sort of left that a little bit open. But it was a nice looking little statue concept, but yeah. it wasn't memorable. And as soon as we started seeing images of her with her wings out, um, I think, was there an image in the trailer? Or was so, it all the yeah, poster, wasn't so there it? Was a, so there was a poster that had come out where you see Deet from the back and you see yeah. her wings out. And we kind of went, you know what? That's that, what we have to That's do. the statue. That's right the statue. There. Yeah, and, and that, so that just to give you perspective, obviously all this stuff is happening still months before the show is coming out. So so that meant that when we did finally get to her, we could do something a little bit more special and really, um, and I think it worked well because the, the, there's a lightness to Deet's character. And so mm. it's quite nice to bring that lightness to her pose as well and have her just gently touching down, you know, that she's it's as if she's coming into land. Um, and it just it just elevated it um, beautifully. So as soon as um, Stephen started sculpting it, everybody in the department was like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the one we've <laughs> got to do. And it allows us to also then give her her wings a bit of a special treatment. Um, as yeah, well. so, so the wings are, are clear cast resin, so, so you can see through them. Wow. You can see all the little veins and things through it. Which we thought was a nice touch. Yeah, Stephen to sculpted the, the the veining and sort of the sort of dragonfly wing effect onto the back of them, so that from the front they still read um, relatively smooth, but you can see that veining. Uh, it's the light or refractors that comes through. So that they, they, on a on a note with with Deet's wings, there are two versions of her wish show. There are the versions that were part of the puppet, uh, which is beautifully fabricated out of materials out of cloths and things um and then there's the wings that you see when when she opens them up um that are of course all cg and they are far more detailed and far mm. more layered and they've got depth and things to them um so we sort of try to find a way to pay homage to both versions so her wings are a sort of halfway point between the costume mm. wings and the CG wings. Yeah, which was fun trying to, trying to hit that, yeah, that yeah. midpoint. So how do you um, guys... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's right. Um, you were going to ask something? Uh, yeah, um, so of course the pose that she's in is amazing, but what, uh, the first question that popped into my mind is how do you design a, a, a piece 
that balances like that not just balances but well number one how does it balance and what is in the piece to give it strength to hold it up oh, yep good question yeah. so um i'll take, shall yeah, I take please, this please the the great thing working with daniel's art director is that his drawings are inspirational and technically really a good indication on where we can go but the process is still organic enough that there is a lot of creative problem solving. We always tweak. I don't think the statues always come out looking 100% like the, the drawing because we have the creative freedom to sort of find it in the process of making it. Yeah. Um, I think when we started with DEET, a major concern was actually how do you balance the whole thing? How do you physically make it work as a statue? Um, so we had, uh, I think my first pass at sculpting her had very, very little of her toe touching, of course, because I wanted to make it look as light as possible. And then we made it a little, over time, a little harder again, like more of her foot is actually on the, the little tree branch, tree mm -hmm. uh, root. But then I think we managed, I managed to sneak it back and back a little bit. So she feels like she's just, just landed, lightly landed on that route. And we got to a good place. So that entire surface area where it's touching is a key, is a, a sort of a metal pin that comes down the leg into the um, tree root or whatever into the root. So, so it's actually a, like a telescopic key that fits in. In fact, I think... Uh, the final statue you'll take out of the box and you'll you'll drop her into that and oh so wow she, she, she won't come on the base so you'll see exactly how we've done it yeah the wings will also ship uh, uh the wind, wings also come out yeah 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 okay i mean there are fiddly bits on her so we do our absolute best to make sure that those are all actually rian oh you've got rian there so what we've done with rian that's quite cool when he comes in the box um, his arm is loose. Can you see that? Yeah. And it's actually got the, the key has got a little magnet in it. So when you pop the arm in, it actually locks in. Oh, that's it's fantastic. Out, so it doesn't yeah. fall out and move around. It actually, it's quite, it's the same with, um, fun. uh, Skexo's head too. When you pop him in his neck oh, right, locks yeah. in, in place with a magnet. Um, those who, people who have those pieces in hand now will see how that, how that works. Well, that's um, really interesting. Um, just because I have this one, which isn't a Dark Crystal one, but Stephen gave this to me when we hung out in oh. Hollywood. And I oh, was yeah. thinking, okay, they, they, they sculpted this in a way that they could make one pull and everything's yes. together. And I was thinking, how are they going to do this with the character of Deet? Yeah, like, how do they so ship those wings or how, do they yeah. not, how does it not break? So the Gandalf that you were holding up there is is designed to be, as you said, pulled in one piece. Um, and and some pieces we can do that with uh, none of the Dark Crystal pieces because they're all no. too complex. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's also why they push up into a higher price bracket. Deep being a little more complex with her with uh, than the others uh, also is slightly more expensive than the other Gelflings. We we were trying to get her the same. I would love for her to have been the same, but she she just pushes up just a little bit. But. But that, um, if we get to do more Gelflings, that's certainly. I'm hoping that they will all be more in the um, the Brea and um, and Rian range rather than more expensive. But um, <clears throat> but you know, Deep kind of demanded that treatment. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. And also, we designed it so that um, 
this was an idea that we that we leaned into and then walked away from and then decided to come back to with Deet, which was the idea that the bases had some level of potential interactivity. So that they, the, the statue can look like a complete statue on its own, but by by taking a chunk out of the base, um, uh, so that it's kind of got a like three quarter moon phase uh, kind of look to it, um, you can actually line up another piece really close to it. And because Deet's elevated, you know, given that she's coming into land with her wings out, you can kind of slide up quite nicely in next to her, so that they or or potentially Rian or even Bray or any of the other pieces. Yeah, but it's designed fit. for for Hup to be her little companion there and for them to sit close together on the shelf. Um, and that whole idea was inspired by the, um, I think we may have talked about this on the last podcast, but it's worth mentioning, the, the idea of the three suns, um, you know, uh, over yes. Thra. So yeah. the, the three base sizes that we're working with each represent the three suns um, and in their relationship of sizes. So, yeah, we just kind of like the idea of them, you know, that sometimes they, they come together uh, in different combinations. Mm. Um, the archer, uh, which is going to be the next piece that people will get a look at after Deet, um, uh, next one after Deet. So I think, uh, I'm not sure exactly the timing that we're, of him being shown, uh, but it's soon. It's certainly a matter of weeks away as we record this. Um, his base is actually a combination of, of different pieces put together, uh, had to be for stability. Um, so it'll actually look like, you know, I think it's like got three three planetoids, you know, three yeah, suns coming three, together. Three circles. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. He's, yeah, he, man. Yeah. <laughs> if 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 Deep presented some challenges, um, yeah, wait till you see the archer. He's uh, he's got a lot of limbs and a lot of parts. Yeah, yeah he's quite yeah. a piece. Yeah, I mean the puppet itself is beautiful, and then trying to so get that stuck. smaller, and he's got a bow and an arrow and all that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, can I just nerd out for a moment on that? Because like having grown up with the original Dark Crystal, and you know, I used to sit at home and sculpt those out of out of out of you know polymer clay. As a, as a like an eight year old trying to make my own little versions of them, you know, crummy little things. But they were the, <laughs> it's just the chance to do this as a job, to get to play around in that world, even as a licensee. I mean, obviously the dream would be to work on the show, but even just the chance to play around and and, and talk about the Dark Crystal all day and talk about these characters all day and just and and have access to all this wonderful reference and to be able to look at this stuff is such a privilege. Um, and I'm so thankful to all the collectors out there who have have dived in and, and made these pieces part of their own personal collections because, you know, we wouldn't get to do it if people didn't support it that way. So it's it's a tremendous honor and it's taken it's not taken for granted. And I do feel a tremendous sense of obligation that, you know, we get we try and do justice to these amazing designs. Um, it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And you can see the you can see the the love and the care that you guys have taken to get um, the features right and I think I might have alluded to this before in another uh, interview that we did but I've seen things get licensed before to different certain toy makers or figure makers and it, the clothes might look great things might look great and you look at the face and you're like that is not the character that I know so to get right. to and that's what people really want they want that character they want that um that reminder of something that they love on their shelf or next to them or wherever it's going to be. Yep. And um, certainly what you guys have produced so far has really, really achieved that. So thank you. I mean, it does mean also, obviously we, we, we're, because we're big nerds for this stuff and we, we want that fidelity. Um, it does mean sometimes we push the boundaries a little bit and that can sometimes prove challenging for, you know, these obviously have to be pieces that are produced to ship around the world. So, so sometimes, you know, it's um, <clears throat> while we do our absolute best, sometimes things do, break in shipping um in which case if anybody ever receives any of that please contact our customer service line because we have ways to deal with that and 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 you know we want to make sure that everybody's happy with what they get 
So, um, so if that ever happens, if anybody's not happy with what they what they've got for any reason, um, just get in contact with us, and we'll 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 make sure that you are. Um, we'll do everything we can to try and satisfy. It's a nice way of putting it. It's actually a side effect of us pushing the limits of what you can yeah. do with statues. Mm -hmm. So they often have these tiny little protruding bits. We don't play it safe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we appreciate that. Um, many questions, but this is sort of a related golfling question. Say you guys were thinking about, you know what? We would love to do a Jen and Kira sculpt. I don't know if you're contracted for that. I don't know exactly. Not that I need to know or whatever, but we know say, we would love to. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you go about that? Like, if you're like, hey, we there are some pieces that we would love to make. For I mean, it, just in terms of fandom, fans have been clamoring for authentic looking Jen and Kira figures for a long, 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 long time, and there are a couple out right now, but they don't look anything like anything like the characters. Um, I don't know who makes them. I forgot who makes them. Um, but how would you guys go about that? If you see, whether it's just the dark crystal or other properties saying, Hey, you know what we could. We've, we've had this conversation before because we feel like we'd love to do them now because if we get the same level of detail and finish, we can get the same level of detail and finish into pieces from the original film. Um, I guess the way we would do it is to be really, really delve deeply into the the archived footage, the film, uh, get all the silhouettes. I I work very closely with basically measuring features off footage when I'm doing the digital sculpt. Of course, in the digital sculpt, you can move it around. You can overlay your your statue over footage from the film. And make sure that it matches, wow. which I do, which I do all the time. So uh, it becomes quite, quite a technical process of just getting every single little piece right. But then, of course, it, it's also very much a case of portraying them true to the character, true to a scene, true to what people remember them as. So sure. that sometimes actually pushes you to slightly slightly caricature or because also we're making yeah, something much smaller yeah. than it really is and so when you make it smaller you in order for things to read um you know the lines often have to be a little bit deeper um everything just needs to be sometimes a little bit so while we go for fidelity then you also take that uh, it's actually it's fidelity mm. to your memory of that character in That's that moment true. and yeah. rather than necessarily always exactly millimeter perfect so sometimes we'll diverge a little bit but it's it's is actually it's a weird thing you're taking it off model to get it closer to what people actually think of as the character if it's a weird yeah, way when, you, when you're working with scale you do have to deform things a little to make it look more like the real thing at scale so it's not actually you're exactly it's, right it's not actually 100 percent correct it looks correct because you've twist you've caricatured it enough for the scale that it's at mm -hmm. which is is bizarre and is mind-bending and i still uh, you know because i'm always like well it must be 100 percent accurate and you're like yeah but if you do that it doesn't actually always look right there's something mm. something quite yeah. i don't know where whether it's something to do with the way uh you know that our our eyes perceive the world and when you change the scale on things it's almost like the it's like you know looking at it through a fisheye lens or something like that but things just are slightly wrong and so you do have to account for that a little bit and also we have to account for putting them into production so these things are getting molded and cast and stuff like that so you have to overemphasize details because you know you're going to lose some of those details in the in the, uh, in the process um, mm -hmm. you want them to come out the other end looking as people expect uh, well that's a question that i have in terms of uh, the details 
was there a time, and it maybe it wasn't with Deet, but is there ever a time where you're sculpting a face? And I don't know exactly how that process, where you're like, I, we're having trouble getting this face right. Even though you have yep. all of your technology, and it's, it's, especially the Gelflings, they're very mm. specific. They're animal-like, they're human-like, but they're not both, but they are both. Mm. And like, I remember having a conversation with somebody about, this wasn't like a toy maker or anything or a figure maker, but about Kira's face and how difficult it was to recreate her face. And that's yes. almost impossible. Yeah, I mean, definitely there are challenges and there are certain likenesses. I mean, the more human I think a likeness is, the tougher it is because we as, mm. as people are very good, whether we know it or not, whether we consciously know it or not, we're very, very good at recognizing when something is not quite right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so hum very human faces are very difficult. The fewer the wrinkles, the less character filled the face is, the harder it is. Um, beautiful faces yep, are Beautiful faces tough. are really tough. And especially the smaller you get because your tolerance is there, you know, just a tiny little hair's width difference in the in the set of somebody's eyelids or something like that can suddenly change them from looking normal and, and uh, to, to looking wrong so it can be really tough i mean goodness in our lord of the rings line we struggle with this all the time you would not believe how difficult elijah wood's likeness is to get right it's wow. so tough. I, was, I wasn't even going to bring it up but elijah wood is like my achilles heel like he's so and i'm not anyone i think we all struggle with yeah, elijah man. wood he's tough uh, because yeah he's just he's just difficult to get right and, and then of course also when you're trying to turn hair into polystone um you know hair of course is uh thin and wavy and, and it has light that penetrates through it and and you know mm. you can do a, have a big poofy hairstyle but your head doesn't look big but as soon as you create that in polystone or some other material you're making it solid and suddenly now it looks completely wrong that and it looks tough. big yeah. so that's that's challenging whereas like a character like gandalf uh, which Stephen, you've sculpted like how many times now? How many Gandalf have you done? Seven times, eight times. You've got a little bit more room to move there because he's got all these wonderful wrinkles and yeah, and, oh yeah, yeah. His face is beautifully textured. So that statue you just showed there, that that was I think the first time I, I sculpted Gandalf, and it's super stylized. It's basically a caricature, but it still kind of looks like him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's. It's fun. I mean, I, I don't sculpt much anymore, but I have tremendous respect for these guys um, trying to get these likenesses because I could never do it. I was never a likeness sculptor. Um, I used to sculpt some pieces back in our Lord of the Rings line 20 years ago, and um, one I did was a Legolas piece, and it looks more like me than it looks like Orlando Bloom. <laughs> yeah. um, it just And people were very nice, and they, you know, it sold well and everything like that, but I think... If we released that same piece today, it would just people would hate it because I think also the standard of what people are prepared to accept has, has raised since then. Mm -hmm. Every is a bit of an arms race, right? Every new collectible has to be more accurate, more beautiful, um, mm. you know, than the one before, and and that's great. That's a good thing because it pushes us to try and you know excel and to try different things and, and push the boundaries a bit like that. But um, yeah, standards are high, so that's why I don't sculpt anymore because I'm not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of so the. Stephen, you started sculpting Deet based off of Daniel's drawings. Is that correct? Yes. So was your initial drawings of Deet in terms of the photos that we've seen of, of the figure, is that your or original drawing of her or did it it's change? It, it's pretty close, isn't it? A few things change, but overall it's... The, well, the essence of it is there, the details. Um, uh, if we're talking about Deet, there were two versions. So yeah. the, there was one before we decided to go with open wings and her flying, and then there's the this one. But, I th yeah, no, I, I feel like if you put them next to each other, you 
Definitely. We should we should release it. Yeah, mm. we'll uh, we'll we'll send you a copy of the concept art. So okay. what it is when we say drawing it, what it is it's a it's a very loose, quite often quite rough photo bash using uh, reference elements that we might have, and then painted into mm. it. You know, and again, it's we don't need to be super accurate with the details on that. It's really just to get a concept across that we can put in front of the um, uh, uh, Netflix and the Jim Henson Company to say, hey. What do you think about this? Does this work for you? And they'll give us notes on whether they think the pose is off, is just not working for the character, or if they don't like it for some other reason. Um, with the Dark Russell stuff, most of the time, I think it all went through pretty much. Uh, they were like, "Yep, that works. Cool, go make it." Um, sometimes with other licensees, we'll go through several rounds with them, them helping us workshop that concept because it's a lot quicker to you know do that in a very very quick two D photo bash than it is with um, you know or or a sketch. Sometimes it'll just be a pencil sketch. Mm. Um, in this case, it was a photo bash because um, that provided us with so much amazing reference um and then once that sort of locked down they like they approved the, the general concept which is a sense of direction really it's then we hand it to the sculptors and then they in this case Steve, this case Stephen will bring his own you know interpretation to it uh, and then you know we sit quite close together so he'll be like hey Dan have a look at this what do you think and and you know together we'll discuss it and we'll debate things backwards and forwards um you know um if we have any sort of Thoughts on it, and the lovely thing about working in this case, um, Deep was was sculpted in ZBrush. Um, some of our sculptures are also produced sculpted physically, or sometimes as a combination. Um, but the lovely thing about ZBrush is you can also explore options. So we're like, well, what if she was leaning more this way or that way? What if we move this arm forward or back or whatever? We can try that and see what it looks like, and go, okay, that's better than that. We'll do it this way. Um, we'll yeah. often we'll often do once a sculpture is completely finished. Um, will be able to look at it as a completely finished piece. And even then, on the last day, make changes. Daniel is quite good at that. <laughs> uh, good as I'm really bad and notorious for it and no, drive people it's, crazy. It's good, though, because then you've got the whole piece there and you can very quickly just slightly adjust things or the color scheme or something about it doesn't quite work and you have to sort of see it as a completed thing. Sometimes um, we don't have the luxury to do that. It's too late. Sometimes but, but other times people to. people humor me and we can make a little last minute change to to hopefully improve a piece and make it better. But I think it's an important part of the process to be able mm. to do that so far down the line. I just burn well. friendships every time I do it. It's <laughs> I like, oh, here he comes again. <laughs> That's funny. In terms of the R&D for DEET, which, because she's trickier because of her wings and uh, casting this, the resin or whatever, um, was she in that process of sort of working her out longer than say, well, the the pieces that you're working on, maybe aside from um, Irva, was she mm -hmm. longer in development because of the detail? Uh, fairly comparable, I think, actually, in this case. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't so, think it was particularly longer. Um, um but it's a good question because sometimes that does make a big difference. There are pieces that have taken us a very long time because because we're trying something new. Um, in this case, no, and and also because we were in we were in such a desperate hurry, we wanted we wanted to share her with the world as quickly yeah. as we could. Um, luckily, they 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 do sometimes sit in in parts of production when we're doing our prototypes, like they'll sit on the shelf in paint. Uh, simply because there's so much stuff that needs to go through a very core group of painters or model makers that need to spend time on it, that there's a bit of a waiting list. 
Mm. And I think Dee just sat there for a while. And that's that's just because of the sheer quantity of stuff we do. Yeah, and that's um, and that's not just collectibles, of course. That's also, you know, film work and TV work and museum and, and museums work, yeah. and exhibitions and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, that's it's a group of a few hundred people all working on lots of different stuff at the same time. And as I say, there is sometimes that battle for resources where it's like, oh, but I need that that sculptor to work on this or I need that painter to work on this and I need him for that. And I, I actually find that that <laughs> process almost sort of gamifies working at Weta because <laughs> it's so enjoyable to see someone else take your work and and uh, carry the baton and do some extra model making and finishes on it or do the painting on it. And it's sort of like someone's giving you a present when you see that next stage. So not knowing when it's going to happen makes it more exciting <laughs> <laughs> but it plays havoc with obviously schedules and stuff like yeah, that sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. too so it's it, it'd be challenging but it's... We're, we're generally we're generally pretty good we we stick to a plan but a big film would come in and it'll shake up the whole resourcing yeah. big time yeah because often those films are, are uh, you know the work that we have to provide for them is on quite a tight schedule um and so suddenly you can have stuff jammed up against each other it is quite fun work walking into the paint shop um and seeing there are our collectibles all you know disassembled being you know the guys are painting the prototypes for them and then you know 10 feet away is a, a spear or a shield being painted for some movie or tv show or something <laughs> like that and then behind that side like a heart a head of a giant figure that's for a museum with you know yeah, that's had the hair yeah. punched into it and they're painting stippling fine fine veins and on onto the skin um it's pretty exciting seeing all this different stuff come together and a walk a walk through the workshop is just like um walk through all these different genres and and time periods yeah, and, and worlds it's it's like yeah leaping through alternate universes sometimes that's awesome uh in terms of the the clothing painting the clothing because okay so you have a finalized design and you're ready everything's locked in and you gotta produce it uh, mass produce it and of course everything's hand painted how do you guys, and I'm asking this because the clothing looks so real, like even looking at this Gandalf um, statue, like the folds, just everything. Sometimes with um, these types of things, it looks like whether whatever kind of material this is, stone or what it's like a plastic stone. What's that stuff called? It's poly, polystone. Polystone, so, that's um, right. I always think of it as it's like resin shot with, with like a fine dust isn't it to give it a quality uh, yeah, of yeah it's a it's a it's a resin with a mix of stone powder now what that stone powder is i don't know exactly but it okay. gives it it's like a reconstituted um the sausage version of stone <laughs> yeah. uh, so it has a stone like feel it's quite quite a nice and it's quite strong well yeah. relative strength for what it is so how do you get clothing to look like clothing what is that process um is it something that you guys have been doing so long yeah. in so many different ways where you don't even think about it or do you like okay no this character right here whether it's deet or brea or gandalf or frodo you're like how do you continue to make and I, I actually one character specifically i know that we covered this before but skexo's clothing is yeah amazing amazing um, the folds of the clothing, just that it looks like clothing. It doesn't look like polystone. And I remember um, when the, you guys released the first photo of it, um, looking like, what is that? Like, are those clothes? Like, how did they like? And obviously, it, it's all yeah. mold, and you guys have painted that. But I'm curious what that process is. 
it really falls on the sculptor because if the surface is not correct, no amount of paint's going to make it look right. So really, it comes down to the sculptor just being a really good study of of uh, of how fabric hangs, how it moves, how it sits over mass over mass, like you know, sitting over a character's leg or arm, how it folds and hangs, because all that tells you the weight you know automatically when you look at it you can see the weight of something the, the the thickness of it the texture of it all that kind of stuff the materiality and that all comes from just how those folds and how those pieces are, are sculpted so we debate folds and wrinkles in cloth and stuff like that like that's mm -hmm. part of our approval process is, is there's there's often a lot of talk about that kind of thing but i have to say to credit to our sculptors stephen among them um these guys are just you know guys and girls are just really really good at um at recreating these things and in miniature with exaggerated texture um it, so it's i would say it's an analogous to to just anatomy study you have right. to if you want to be really good at anatomy you have to go to life drawing classes you have to sketch all the time you have to learn to observe form and all of that applies similarly to mm. any kind of clothing we often drape ourselves ridiculously with uh, bits of cloth that's similar to the costume and take pictures and look at each other and laugh at each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's very much observation. As far as then physically, practically, how does it work in a statue? There are a few things that are really important apart from just really good sculpted cloth. Uh, you have to have a minimum thickness. So you have to make the edges, the hems and the edges of clothing look sharp but they very quickly increase in thickness so that you don't have a, a wafer-thin piece of cast material. So everything needs to look thin when it's actually quite thick. Um, we, you have to exaggerate the textures. So if there's a woven pattern, you have to bump up that woven pattern and make it harder, sharper detail. And that also helps the paint, so the paint can actually sort of have little guidelines to follow. Uh, so a lot, a lot of times we'll actually sculpt in details that wasn't really. If you look on, on we did Rian's cloak. Rian's cloak is this amazing material with a loose weave of almost a spider web of looser silks over the top, uh, and you can't make that look loose. It has to make, it has to be all solid, but look like it's made that way. And then there are these little stripes of a different colored material that's been stitched in over the top and then that has a weave over that as well and the only way to do that i thought that would look good in a tiny statue is to actually split those off so they're actually raised off the surface a little so rather than just being a pattern stitch it's actually a raised detail it's um, it can be very challenging and particularly with some of these dark crystal characters the Jemensen company have designed them with loads of layers of of, 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 of translucent materials over the top yeah, of each other and build them up that's that's why the characters look so rich and beautiful um, on screen and why the light just does wonderful things when it plays across them man that's tough to recreate in, in a solid painted polystone object and so sometimes what you end up with is a slight stylized version of it where it's it's it can never be exactly what you see on screen but it's as close as we can practically get um that's really tough on a lot of the uh, skexies for example have gauze on them and you just you just can't sculpt gauze. Well, you can sculpt gauze but what you can't then reproduce is what's underneath the gauze that your eye sees so we have to sort of we cheat that a little bit sometimes um so so a lot of how we do things incorporates 
film visual effects in a way. And for me, I, I always think of as a statue is a form of visual effects. You want it to visually look like hair, but it isn't. To look like skin, cloth, environment, but it isn't. So you have to employ little visual tricks that make that bring it closer to that. We can't always do a clear layer. We often do whenever we, we can. We yeah. try and do actually clear inserts of clear cast resin. Um, the most notable of that was what was it? Dark Galadriel. Oh yeah, in the Lord of the Rings line. In the Lord of the Rings line, scary version. She's yeah. got. It looked to me like hundreds of little bits of cloth that are actually clear and see-through in parts, and it's really quite quite an amazing statue. Uh, so sometimes we can actually literally try and do that, but a lot of the times we have to we have to just accommodate and try and find a visual way of representing things. A shorthand, I guess. A shorthand, yeah. Mm, yeah, sure. I, I was. You're referencing the Galadriel piece, and that was one thing I was going to bring up because there's there's so much to that there's so much translucency and yeah there's mm -hmm. and uh but yet everything her fabrics they look it looks like fabric uh another uh question nerdy question what kind of paints are used to paint these these pieces steven do you know the answer okay, to this so um if we're if we're talking Talking about collectibles, for the most part, I believe they are what you would think of as model paints for wargaming models, D&D, &D, Warhammer, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, so they're usually acrylics and inks that they use in the sort of... They've got a huge range of stuff they use. I think if we're talking brands, it's probably Vallejo, Vallejo paints, I think. Okay. I'm but not. I'm our, not. I'm not allowed to but paint even anything. Then, so <laughs> even then, that's our. Those are our paint masters. But as to as to whether that's actually what our factory is is oh, that's using, true, yeah. I actually don't know. Um, I mean, we give we provide them with all our information. Obviously, we, we give them our paint masters, uh, and then we and along with those, we give them all the the information on how the paint effects have been achieved and that kind of thing because they have to reproduce them as faithfully as possible. But as to exactly what they use, I would assume it's the same, but I can't I can't be absolutely sure of that. I would say the short answer is they are acrylic paints for base and uh, inks for washes over the top. Mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and of course, these are made so. These things don't wash off. They don't rub off. It's not like anything yep. gets on your finger. So, of course, it's something very specific. And the material has to soak that in. The material has to be porous. Um, right. And, again, it's just one of those things where people collect them and they buy them, but very you don't often know what goes into creating it. You don't know what kind of paint is used, what kind of material is used, like polystone. Um, but I, and for me, the process is so intriguing. We, we have this conversation fairly often that we have a core group of collectors or fans like yourself that are interested in the process of how we make these things. And we interact, I think, fairly regularly with those people. We try to. Um, but then there's probably a larger proportion of our collectors that are kind of just buying the character or mm. buying yeah. the statue that mm -hmm. really even think about it that much. Uh, but certainly there's a huge amount of work that there's also 20, 30 years of experience in making these figures that go into exactly what materials you use and what paints you use. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How they split apart. All of that. Well, uh, I don't want to keep you guys much longer, but I, 
I know that you're talking about Irva being the next character you're gonna you're gonna unveil. Yes. What yep. can you do? You, can you talk about anything else that you're working on? I know Stephen, you and I were talking about watching the show and looking at things to possibly sculpt. Is that something that you guys are still doing now? Yes, all okay. the time because we're always looking ahead. Um, that so so we are, in terms of pieces that we can talk about that are coming. Um, yes, Irva the Archer will be the next one, which is great to get a, a, a another a Mystic out finally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is he's so the pose he's in is actually with he's drawing his bow, um, and there's wind blowing, and he's you know it's actually quite a dramatic looking piece. Uh, so hopefully people will really like that. Um, he's very complex because of the number of limbs and all the massive number of layers to his costume and all this little tiny little fiddly pieces. So he's quite a complex it's piece. Definitely our biggest one. It's the biggest one. So the mystics are huge. Like, yeah, I yeah. saw that photo you released. I mean, it's just massive. Yeah, and and just also the um, the costumes. I mean, they had they had big people in these costumes, and they're they're large. So physically, uh, he's a very imposing um, character to sculpt. Um, he will be our biggest dark crystal piece so far. Um, then we've also got um, hot on his heels uh, will be the hunter. Um, so that'll be we'll be showing oh, that nice. later this year, probably the middle of the year. I think uh, it may end up being something that that is possibly time to San Diego Comic Con. I'm not. 100% certain of that timing, but I would imagine he'll be there. Mm. Um, and he's a really... I've been waiting for the Hunter to come out for a long time just because he's such a great character. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, so he's all finished, basically. He's just basically waiting to go through the process now. Um, but that character is sculpted and finished. He's just waiting to be painted and, and put into production. Uh, we actually threw a little fan uh, poll out there uh, a few weeks ago for people yes. to choose whether it was him or the hunter or the archer that went through that process first. Um, and the archer was the winner on that, which is cool. Um, I was betting on the hunter winning that. I was I was positive the hunter was going to win that. But obviously, <laughs> but that's probably because I'm like, oh, yeah, I love those evil characters. They just look so... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so, so um uh, so yeah, they're coming. If there are, other, but people should tell us. We would love to know from from um, collectors and fans and and anyone out there who's interested in this stuff. We'd love to know what what they would like us to do. You know, uh, in the future, um, these pieces take between uh, twelve and eighteen months to to push through the pipeline. So so we need a long lead time. So stuff that we might be talking about doing now, you know, doesn't get seen for another you know year and a half. But but if people have ideas that now that we've all seen the show and there are things that, that that folks are like, oh my goodness, I love that character, I love this character, you know, please make that. Um, tell us, let us know. The more voices, uh, the more we can gather a consensus about what people would like to see, uh, yeah. then hopefully the, the more we're able to deliver what people genuinely want, rather yeah. than us basically making our favorites. You know? Yeah, <laughs> make, make no mistake, we have our own list. Definitely. <laughs> but that list can be, but that list is influenced by what, by what other people want, what the market wants, you know? Mm-hmm. We want to make people happy. Yeah. Um, I think the red-haired paladin would be one of the characters yeah, right? that people would, because he's this no-named character that everyone fell in love with for whatever reason. I mean, I think he's definitely very interesting, but he's really popular for whatever Isn't reason. Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny how these little characters suddenly take on a life of their own and become a real, become big stars? Like I've yeah. also seen because I, I I follow online. I always look to see what people are talking about and and forums and on Facebook pages and stuff like that. And like I was also amazed. You know, Kylan's got some love out there, right? Like oh yeah. Oh my God, what a great really character popular. he would be. People love him. Yeah. 
um, and who else is there? I mean, obviously, obviously, in terms of um, uh, the the heretic and the wanderer, I mean, how yeah, can you not yeah, just yeah. fall in They're love great. with those characters? So those are those are favorites of ours as well. Um, but but the, like the, this is the thing with the Dark Crystal. The list is so long because there are so many characters that are so deserving. So yeah, Freckles is like yeah, absolutely everybody loves loves that guy. <laughs> yeah. And then you and you know, but I, like even just when there are scenes where the camera is just panning around in the forest and you see these little creatures mm-hmm. wriggling around, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want that. <laughs> I don't even know what that's called. I want it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> the Land yeah. Strider. Oh, Land oh. Strider. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Even You're the so little. Spoiled. The little thing that comes out of the tree that's got the light in the in the belly or the oh, yeah. deep feeds, yes. um, which yes. it's great. It's just a great little thing. You'd mentioned the Dark Crystal movie before. That's not something that we currently have the rights for. But it, but those are the kind of things um, to sort of circle back to an earlier question you had. Those because we're fans of this stuff. Those are that and other movies and other properties out there that we're excited about. We definitely try and pursue. You know, we'll we'll try and figure out who's the point person to contact to try and get the rights to work on that, that sort of thing. So, so anything like that, we're always excited to try and. Um, it's actually one of the things we deliberately do. We do go and find the things that we think are on the pulse of pop culture. Well, and, and also we that, that that excite us. You know, and mm-hmm. we're fans as well. And it's a lot easier to work on something, um, you know, ten hours a day or more if it's something that you're passionate about and you love. So, um, so we definitely seek out stuff that excites us. Um, and that's why I, I put out the call to us, not just I mean, obviously characters, definitely, but even more than that, even just other properties, other things that people are excited about, post on message boards, you know, email us. We would love to know what people are excited by and what they, what, um, what they're passionate for. Yeah, totally. I think Celadon in her new yes. crown would be a big one too by the way people love <laughs> yes. that they love her evilness um so yeah celadon was the uh, i'll share this definitely um this does not mean that it's uh, i can't confirm or deny whether she's ever whether she's in production or not but but um uh celadon was the number four gelfling on my personal list of like if we do mm-hmm. this brian deet you know uh brea yeah. um Saladon. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like, statue. Yeah, she's she's such an. I mean, she's in my opinion, she's a main character. I mean, she's yeah. off on a different adventure, but she's a main character of the show. Um, and that sort of leads into the. I guess the last question would be: Are there things that you guys can't talk about in terms of figures that are in the pipeline in that process that you will eventually reveal, say next year? Yes. Yes, awesome. there's stuff. We've got, we've got other stuff coming. Um, what we what I've talked about is definitely not everything. There are there are other things in the works. Um, I, and the only reason I don't want to talk about them is I don't want to get too far ahead and yes. then have people have to wait a really really long time. Um, and also because things change, you know, um, we're always mm. obviously reacting to to how things shift and and pop in popularity and that kind of stuff. And so I'd hate to promise something that then doesn't happen or happens in a different form. So totally, totally. Um, and also it gives us, otherwise then we've talked about everything and we've got nothing to talk about next time we chat. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time again. Um, everybody's really excited about Deet and everything else that you've released and will release. But Deet taking the cake right now. She's just flawless. She's beautiful. Thank you. That's, thank you. That's Stephen. So, yeah, he did a beautiful yeah, job. And it's always a pleasure to talk. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate your time. For sure, for sure. Anytime. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com.
You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.